to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Let us pray that holy manna may be showered all around. Look and see poor mourners round you, tearing, trembling as they go, longing for a consolation. Will you comfort? Them or no, let us tell them of the Savior. Tell them that he will be found. Let us pray that holy manna may be showered all around. Is there here a trembling jailer? Say good morning to each and every one. We're grateful for your presence, desire, and interest in your prayers. I need the prayers of each and every one. I'm going to ask Brother Rob, if you would, to lead us in a word of prayer.
holster Paul if he would come forward and uh, open up services. Ever how the Lord leads him, you continue to pray for him. Good morning to each one of you. Say, fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. Seems that beginning a new year, we should be filled with joy unspeakable that the God of grace has brought us thus far. And we trust that he'll carry us on because he tells us that he'll never leave us or, or forsake us. That's a, a great one of the great promises that we have of Almighty God that he has told us in various places uh, as he spoke to the disciples in the uh, book of John. He tells them in parables uh, in reality uh, what they can expect in the future. And he tells them that uh, in this life, we'll have tribulations and we'll have sorrow. But fear not. I've overcome the world. And that's comforting to know. But you know, many of the things that he taught his disciples there in parables, they didn't fully understand uh, what he meant, but he told them that they would in the future because he was going to send to them uh, the Holy Comforter. That it was needful that he go away and it wasn't necessary while he was here that the Holy Comforter tell them of these things. But since he was going away and going to return to the Father from whence he came, that he would send the Holy Comforter and uh, he would tell them such as the Father had told him. And they would recall the things that Christ himself had <coughs> spoken to them in parables. And they could understand that. Uh, it's a, a mystery to lots of people uh, concerning the Holy Comforter. But I believe it's the third party of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost. And he takes up his abode within each child of God's heart, never to leave them, never forsake them. And he said he'll be with you to the very end. And many is the time we think about it in our... Uh, loneliness that we are not alone. God has sent forth His Spirit into our hearts and uh, He is a comfort to us in all things that 
uh, are necessary for us here in this life. Christ himself, he comforted the disciples there uh, before the crucifixion. And let me start with the 26th verse of the 15th chapter of St. John. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. And going on into chapter 16 here, he says, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whether go or south. But because I have said these things unto you, Sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because... He has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Uh, of sin because they believe not on me, or right, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. I hear it said many times that the Lord will not put upon you more than you can stand. Well, all of these things that come upon God's children, God didn't put them upon you. But he does give you grace sufficient to withstand. And to, uh, in our weakness, his strength is made manifest and we can trust in the power of our God. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, 
and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now, he's told them here about the reality in life that uh, we'll have tribulations and sorrow in this life. But he's also told them that uh, we have one that's within us and one that walks with us and stays with us and leads us in all pathways of truth. And at the end of these things, we're going to have peace. You know, there's not too much said about the non-elect because we know their end. And the thing that lifts us up and carries us on our way and causes us to rejoice in the riches of His grace is knowing that at the end we're going to be victorious as Christ was victorious on the cross. And that as we come together from time to time to worship Him in spirit and in truth and to feed upon the Word that He's pinned down here in His this holy book that were lifted up and sustained by the word, just like uh, the children of God are kept uh, by the power of God unto the end. And we have something to look forward to that uh, the non-elect doesn't have here in this life. It seems they go about carefree, happy, prosperous, but you know the Lord says it uh, rains upon the just, the unjust, just alike. And we know that He takes care of His children. When we go back all the way to uh, Egypt there, how He took care of His children those uh, many years that they labored uh, in dire straits and after they were brought out of Egypt and wandered in the, around for 40 years, how that he took care of them. And uh, then we think about what he accomplished there on the cross by the suffering that he had, which was caused by the great love that he had for us. He tells us that... Uh, uh, It's, it's something else to be that you would give your life for another person. But just think how many people he gave his life for on Calvary's cross that we might be with him, might have that glory that he had with the Father before he came down here, that where he is we may be also. And we think about those things and what uh, we have to go through here, and we we don't sorrow as others that have no hope because He's given us a sweet hope in Christ Jesus. And we know that uh, just like when a mother is uh, 
in childbirth and suffering there, that after that child is born into the world, she forgets all of that because a son is born into the world. That's always been a mystery to me. But Christ said in Isaiah there that uh, he saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. You know, God saw that, the suffering of his son, his only begotten son, and how great a love that he had, how obedient he was to his father and to the cross there, uh, that he came down not of his own will, but the will of his father, uh, and he accomplished that when he hung there, uh, suspended between heaven and earth, uh, and said it's finished. Uh, oh, I'm going to tell you there that there's nothing. Uh, yet stand, stay the hand of the Lord, uh, uh, that he works his will in the arm of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth. Uh, and none can stay his hand. Uh, uh, you know, when he hinders, none can work. Uh, and when he opens a door for us, uh, uh, none can stop that. Uh, oh, dear children, we should trust him in this year, New Year, as we go about. Uh, are we going to face things that we faced uh, many times before, but we look back and see uh, how the Lord delivered us uh, uh, from those things uh, and that we could uh, all lay our heads down at night and sleep knowing that he watches over us uh, uh, just like he has in the past. Uh, and we'll not try to go on any further into this, but he says... Uh, uh, here in the 27th verse of the 16th chapter, uh, For the Father himself loveth you, uh, because you've loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Uh, I came forth from the Father uh, and am come unto the world. Uh, again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Uh, uh, his disciples said unto him, Lo, uh, uh, now speakest thou plainly, uh, and speakest no proverb. Uh, now are we sure that thou knowest all things, uh, and needest not that any man should ask thee. Uh, uh, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Uh, Jesus answered them, uh, Do you now believe? You know, Many of the people there in that day and time, uh, they believed on Christ uh, uh, when he preached to them there. Uh, said, never no man spake like this man spake. Uh, he spake with power and authority uh, uh, because he had that authority God had given it to him. Uh, and he goes on here and he says, uh, Behold, the hour cometh on uh, uh, you, uh, and now he is... Uh, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, uh, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, uh, because the Father's with me. Uh, these things I have spoken unto you, uh, that in me uh, ye might have peace. Uh, in the world ye shall have tribulation, uh, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Uh, uh, so... Uh, as he trusted his father there, he didn't walk alone because uh, uh, he always done the things that pleased his father, uh, and he knew uh, uh, that his father had faith in him uh, uh, to accomplish what he 
sent him here to do. I'll give way to my Again, I'll say good morning to each and every one of those that I might not have spoken to. <clears throat> I'd like to turn our attention to the book of Hosea. Hosea is one of the minor prophets right after the book of Daniel, I believe. <clears throat> now, in the very first of the book of Hosea, the Lord instructs this prophet Hosea to go and take a wife of whoredoms. You say, well, that doesn't sound like a very good thing to call upon a man to do. But he's making an illustration before his people. Because that's the way God regarded his people at that time. Hosea prophesied in a time of financial prosperity and moral bankruptcy. <clears throat> Not that different from the day we live in. And this woman goes and her sin sells her back into bondage and he has the prophet Hosea go and buy her back. Now, in this prophecy, he's trying to demonstrate to God's people their neglect and abandonment of Him. And in chapter 10, I want one verse from here. Chapter 10, verse 12. The prophet's instruction to the children of Israel, his people, says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, the term fallow ground is not something we use today. The word fallow means unplowed, untilled, neglected. Brothers and sisters, we ought to see and understand This subject has that what I've got on my mind today has nothing to do with eternal heaven. That is secured by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's not going to change. But the fact of the matter is, dear children, we're called upon to break up our fallow ground. Let's leave let's not let's let's turn over the things that we've neglected. In the book of Luke, chapter 13, Jesus speaks a parable. Starting at verse 6, reading through verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came, saw, and, came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after thou shalt 
cut it down. The question to us, this is our vine in our part of the vineyard. Are we going to dig about it? Are we going to work it? Are we going to neglect it? And the reality is, <clears throat> you can go look at my dad's little farm right now and the part that's mine has been neglected. I'm going to have to get somebody to clean it up. It's not, it's not productive. And the same can be said of a church, a people, or a nation. If they neglect the things of God, it becomes overgrown with things that they don't need. That's the reality of life for an individual, for churches, for nations. That Let's understand what the point that I'm after and go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter three, chapter 2, excuse me. Hebrews chapter 2, let's start at verse 1 and read down through verse 3. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. Now he's, again, I'm not talking about eternity. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Let's understand. The Bible, when it talks about salvation, not every time the word saved or salvation is speaking about eternity. There is an eternal salvation that is unconditional. It's not based on my works or yours. I'm thankful for that, Brother Rob, because I wouldn't meet the conditions. How about you? We are saved eternally by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Himself says in the 6th chapter of John, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And of all that the Father giveth me, I should lose nothing. Now that's a great comfort to me. How many did Jesus say He was going to lose? Absolutely none. If you go to the book of uh, 1 Peter, uh, I believe about the 18th verse, it tells us that we were redeemed not with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. We're bought with a price. But in that being bought with a price... For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. That's eternal salvation. It's not based on our work. But in Timothy, he also tells us, you're bought that you're not your own. Jesus Christ bought us and paid for us, and there is, there is a salvation that is timely, conditioned upon what we do. Now, uh, let me explain that just a little in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, this is 15th chapter, verse 1, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I, what I preached unto you, lest ye have believed in vain. Now Paul is talking about to these people, you can be saved from something if you'll keep in remembrance what I preach to you. Who's he talking to? Tells you in the first verse. 
Moreover, brethren, he's talking to the brethren of the church at Corinth. And brothers and sisters, I'm talking to the church at Mount View. It's as simple as this. For me, for you, for every one of us, there is an, un, there is an unconditional salvation that's based entirely on the work of Jesus Christ. But what did, what did Peter say on the day of Pentecost? Repent and be baptized and save yourself from this untoward generation. <clears throat> That's a right now salvation. So what if we neglect that? What if we neglect to use and follow the Lord even though we know we're called, even though we believe, if we neglect, what happens? Let's go back to the book of Judges. Let's go back to the book of Judges. I only want a verse or two from here. And if you read the book of Judges, God did not. when God brought His people into the promised land, He didn't give them a king. Why? Because He's their king. That's what He told them. And He set up judges that would judge between them and guide them in the truth. And there's, there's a judge called Samson. And God blessed Samson in a mighty way. Samson was blessed to do mighty deeds. You know, it takes, a pretty, it takes a pretty brave, strong man to kill a thousand of your enemy with the jawbone of a mule. Okay, you got that? Samson was a blessed character of God. But Samson neglected a lot of things because he went after things that he ought to leave alone. <clears throat> Have you ever done that? I'll confess I'm guilty. I'll tell you, Brother John, I've got a hold of a few things that I wished I had never seen. How about you? There are things in our lives that we need to leave alone. Satan, I've made this statement before. The, the devil knows how to tempt each and every one of us. And what tempts me might not tempt Rob. And it might not tempt Brother Jimmy. But he knows what's going to tempt all of us. Now, Samson... He went after women that he ought to have left alone. And he went after a woman named Delilah. I'm glad you boys are here. I made this statement to you before. You get hooked up with a young lady and she keeps trying to get you in trouble and wind up arrested. You need to leave that woman alone. That's as plain as I can make it. You need to leave that woman alone. Now, in here's the verse that I'm at. What happens if we neglect? You come down to verse 20 of the 16th chapter of the book of Judges. And time and again, Delilah has tried to trap. He's tried to trap. She's tried to trap Samson and get him caught by the Philistines. And finally, she gets him to tell her his secret. Verse 20, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Is Samson still a child of God? Absolutely. You can read in the 11th chapter of Hebrews what people call faith's hall of fame and they talk about these people that walked by faith. Noah and Abraham and Moses. And it lists Samson. Brother Rob, he was faithful. He was a child of God, but he did. He had to pay the price. Now, what happened to Samson? The Philistines caught him. They shaved off all his hair. God took away his strength. 
And they literally took a hot iron instrument and gored out Samson's eyes. Don't you, can you imagine the kind of pain and suffering that Samson went through physically? And then knowing that he's now a slave to the people that are his enemies. And they bring him out to make sport. And he says, Lord, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushes down the pillars of the house. Samson suffered. Was Samson still a child of God? Absolutely. But Samson suffered for what? For neglecting what God had directed him. He went after things that he ought to leave alone. And brothers and sisters, that's true of an individual. It can be true of churches. It can be true of nations. We look at the world in which we live and we see all kinds of things that trouble us. And I'm going to say this straight up. I don't care what your politics are. And it, what's going to change this country is not going to be who gets elected next or what policy or what party you're in. The answer, listen to this. This is in Second Chronicles chapter 7, and I'm going to read at verse 12 down through verse 14. And the Lord appeared by, uh, to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place for, to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among the, my people. Well, now who's going to send all these bad things? The Lord said He was. What does the Bible teach us? Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Who's going to send all these bad things? The Lord plainly told Solomon, if I send it, here's what you're going to do. You pick out the right man to be... No. Here's who you need to vote for. No. Listen to this. This verse is often quoted like it's some magic one. No, it's a, it is a directive for God's people of the, what they're supposed to do. If my people... He's not talking to anybody else, Brother Paul. He's talking to His people. The children of God. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What's going to bring about a healing? Whether that's in this nation, or whether that's in churches, or whether that's in my, in my own heart, is that if I turn, if I humble myself and pray and seek God's face and turn from my wicked ways. You see, dear children, there are things that we ought to do as children of God because we are children of God, not to make us children of God, because we've been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, it was not a Roman soldier that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary. It was you and I. He went there. He knew what He was going there for. He came into this world with the cross of Calvary in full view. He knew why He came and He knew what He was going to accomplish. Salvation of sinners. In Psalms 119, the 119th Psalms, the longest chapter in the Bible, I want verses uh, 59 and 60. 
I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. What did the psalmist say? I thought on my ways. You see, brothers and sisters, there's too much of what about him? You know, old, old, old Peter got into that trap. The Lord reproved old Peter. Peter's, I'm going to give up. I'm going to go back to fishing. What'd he do? He went back to fishing, caught nothing. He gets on the shore. Jesus got fish on the fire. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He's not asking Peter if he loves him more than a plate of fish. He says, do you love me more than your old ways? He says, feed, this goes three times, feed my, lamb, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Peter finally grieves, says, Lord, Thou knowest that I love Thee. God gives him. God didn't throw him away, Brother John. We all ought to rejoice in that. When we mess up, God doesn't throw us away. He brings us to repentance. And he tells old Peter, you're going, what he's going to do, you're going to die in service to me, Peter. And what does Peter do? He turns and sees the apostle John and says, what about him, Lord? What's he going to do? Are we that way? What did the Lord say? What is that to thee if he tarries till I come again? Follow thou me. It's not about what the Lord called somebody else to do. What did the Lord call on us to do? What did He call on me to do? What did He call on you to do? Let's not neglect the things that God has given us. So this marvelous grace wherewith we are saved, what ought it to bring us to do? Well, in Romans, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, Three verses 1 and 2. Well, let's back up and get the end of the fifth chapter. Verse 20 and 21 of the Romans chapter 5 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That the sin that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Grace is what paid for our sins. Grace is what saves us. Grace is unmerited favor bestowed upon an unworthy character. I didn't earn salvation. God gave it as a free gift. Grace. Now listen. Chapter 6 opens. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Dear children, He tells us, as children of God, we're to mortify the deeds of the flesh. If the flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit lusts against the flesh, there's a battle that goes on inside of every child of God. And when we neglect the things of God, we're more prone to go to the things of the flesh. Let's understand 
What does grace bring us to do? We Old Baptists are known for preaching salvation by grace. But there is a work for us to do that goes with that. Not to get us to be children of God, but because God has made us children of God. Because He bought us with His own blood. Because He redeemed us. Because He loved us. We ought to follow Him. Now what did grace bring us to do? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to what Paul says at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. What did Paul say? I've got nothing to brag about of myself. I, you see, Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He preaches the gospel. He has, he, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He established more churches and, and he wrote more books in the New Testament than any other writer. But Paul says, everything that I am, I am what I am by the grace of God. And what did that grace do for me? that I labored more abundantly than the all. I'm not going to be lazy about this. I'm going, I'm going to serve God to the best of my ability. And then he acknowledges, even then, but I labored more abundantly than the all, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. There, it speaks of the manifold grace of God. There's grace to take every one of His children home to heaven, Brother Paul. But there's grace sufficient for every trial. That's what he told Paul. Paul said, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh. Now, I've heard a lot of speculation. Everybody's got their own idea of what Paul's affliction was. He doesn't tell us. Whatever it was, it was painful. Now, when we think of a thorn, it's like we get a bouquet of flowers and it may stick us with a thorn. Or Heaven help that anybody ever pick blackberries, and I'm not one of them because... If you're waiting on me to furnish you with blackberries, you're going to be hungry because they're not worth the effort to me. But you get a briar, you get a stick. That's not the thorn that's under consideration. It's like a stake that you would drag it in. Whatever Paul's suffering one is, it was great. It wasn't a finger prick. It was painful, Brother John. And Brother Jimmy, he prayed three times. Lord, remove this from me. And Brother Charles, the Lord said, no. No, I won't take away that trouble. But my grace is sufficient to see you through that trouble. Brothers and sisters, we're not going to live a trouble-free life here. God never promised that. But we ought to follow Him even in our troubles and He can lead us through that. Because He promised my grace is sufficient. So let's not neglect those things. Over in the book of James, over in the book of James, it tells us. It's James chapter 4. Let's begin at verse 6 and read through verse 8. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, I hear people talking about that they're doing battle with the devil. 
I'd rather stay away from him. How about you? You'd be better off. And it says, Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And he'll draw nigh to you. None of that works unless you've got the first step. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit means you're going to be in subjection. You're going to do what He says. This is not about my way or your way or somebody else's way. It's about God's way. And what God says for our lives is right. It doesn't matter what ungodly laws have been passed in this land that, that promote sin. They're still sin. If God said they're wrong, they're still wrong. Submitting to God means we're going to... Brother Paul talked about the leadership of the Holy Spirit this morning. Brothers and sisters, we need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need to follow where He leads. We need to listen to Him. And He'll guide us into what? All truth. Now the Bible plainly tells me to try the spirits. You hear that? Spirits, plural. There's more than one. And if there's more than one, they didn't all come from God. Now why is that important? My Bible tells me that Satan, Satan can transform himself as an angel of light and his ministers as ministers of light. Now, what's his point? He's out to deceive people and he does that. And he lays snares for them. We were talking about this, Brother Charles and Brother Paul and I before church. Talking about Brother John. Brother John's a rehab counselor. And I, I, a couple of things that I'll tell you that I can guarantee you Brother John is, will agree with. There's nobody that he counsels that's gone through any kind of trouble like that that says, well, I, I started out in life to be a drug addict. Nobody starts out to be that. But when you believe Satan's lie, you're stuck. You've done stepped in the trap. What's the first thing he tells you? You ask him. The Bible says evil communications will corrupt good manners. The people that brought you into this, you need to leave alone. People that got you started down the wrong path is people you need to leave alone, and that's true for all of us. The people that, give that, that are leading you astray. And believe you me, children, the devil is out, it says, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now we understand. We understand. Jesus Himself said, No man plucks them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus is not going to lose one that He paid for. But bless your heart, think about, we've already made the illustration of old Samson. When they blinded old Samson and they put him down in the prison and he was grinding at the meal. What does that mean? Here's this once judge of Israel, this man of God, because of his neglect of the things of God, is he still going to heaven? Absolutely. But he's blind and they've got him down there pushing a beam, turning a grindstone at the mill, grinding wheat. 
You see, neglecting the things of God can bring us pain. It can. Now, it tells us repentance is not a one-time thing with a child of God. It's a lifetime thing. I'm going to try to move along. In Proverbs, Proverbs chapter, Psalms, excuse me, Psalms chapter 32, Psalms chapter 32, David talking about his sin with Bathsheba. In chapter 32, look at what it says. Starting in verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old, though my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. What is David saying? When I tried to cover up my sin, before I confessed it, my life was miserable. I believe that's true for every child of God. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou gavest, thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. What's he saying? He's convicted, he knows he's guilty, and he asks God to forgive him. Well, bless your heart, dear children, let's understand that's the way of every child of God. When we've neglected what we ought to be doing, let's admit our faults and let's turn back to God. That's a lifetime process for every child of God. Proverbs chapter 28, Proverbs chapter 28 in verse 13, it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall be forgiven. It's not enough just to confess our sins. We need to forsake them, to turn away from the wrong and go back to the right. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So look back at our text, our two texts. In Hosea, it said, break up your fallow ground. If things have overgrown in our life, let's cut them away. Let's clean them up. This is our vine. Mount View Primitive Baptist Church is, out, is our part of the vineyard. Let's dig around it. Let's see if it'll bear fruit. And dear children, there's going to be trials and there's going to be things the children of Israel, you can read this in Nehemiah, that it's in the fourth chapter of Nehemiah. And I'll turn there. So Nehemiah, the children of Israel have come out of, uh, out of captivity. They've been brought back to the land and things are hard. Things are bad. Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls are knocked down and they're a prey to all the enemy. And Nehemiah prays. And the king sends him back and he's going to build a wall. He goes to the people and he tells them. And the enemy come up all around them. The enemy come up all around them. And what, what did they do? Well, they built the, wall, built the wall. The enemy made fun of them and they built the wall. 
and the enemy threatened them. And they built the wall. And the enemy tried to trick them into making peace and they built the wall. Here's the verse I wanted. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. Dear children, you read in the book of Esther where Mordecai comes to her and she's afraid. And he says, Who knoweth but the Lord brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is our time and this is our vineyard. Let's dig around it. Old Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Lord put a coal of fire on his tongue. Called him. Now who will I send? And old Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Brother, this, brothers and sisters, this, our, this is our part of the vineyard. Challenge each and every one of us. Let's make it a point for the, for the days to come. This week and in the weeks to come. I want everybody to pray daily. I want you to pray for this church. I want you to pray for Mount View Primitive Baptist Church. I want you to pray for God to lead us, to God to add to us, to God to help us. I want you to pray for this church. And if you're so a man, I want everybody to invite somebody. I heard a story of an old deacon down in Florida. They said he said, I know that I know that inviting people to church will work. He said, one about one out of every hundred that I ask will come. Don't be discouraged, dear children. Brother Paul said, Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer.